0: Bankless Nation, happy 4th Friday of October. This is the Friday before Halloween. What time is it?
1: Oh, Ryan, it's the Bankless Friday weekly roll-up, where we cover the entire weekly news in crypto, which is always an ambitious endeavor. Yet this week, while we're persevering into the frontier, we're doing it (laughs) in spooky fashion. (laughs) In spooky fashion?
0: This is, is, as is tradition on Bankless, at least uh, we did this last year, neither David nor myself have seen each other's costumes correct. yet yeah, correct. we dressed up in costume for this roll-up and I have kind not of. seen what this man looks like. He has not seen what I look like. He says his costume is, is kind of, uh, dressed up, but in a few minutes, a few moments rather, we're going to do the reveal. We're going to turn the camera on and, uh, see how spooky you really are. David, can you tell me about your costume? Like, so what
1: yeah. kind of prep work yeah, went so into I'll, this? I'll I'll tease a little bit right now. Uh, you, Ryan, actually are not going to see my costume. Uh, what? Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh, so, and that will be obvious to you what's, when I turn your, on my camera.
0: <laughs> what's your costume inspired by? Oh, yeah. it's an NFT. It's my favorite it's, NFT. It's your favorite NFT? Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh huh. You're not a dick butt, are you? That's going to start with crypto. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be so weird, dude. <laughs> I'm glad I'd, I'm not having to see that if that's what you are. Um <laughs> So, my costume uh-huh. was inspired by some recent events. That's all I'll say. Um, oh, I fucking know. I know. No, you, you are. don't. I know you ready? You are. On the count of three. Who let's you pray are. start video. One, <laughs> two, three. <laughs> What's up, Dad? <laughs> it's me. Oh, my your God. Your favorite you're crypto YouTube boy. influencer. <laughs>
1: this looks like some kind of a like bondage thing we're about to do here No, I've got one of these weird like green spandex suits on but what you're not seeing is I am a green screen and so Luke is gonna (laughs) put my crypto dick butt over me no he's not that's so you actually can't see my costume because you just see the green screen oh my god dude this is weird this is weird I'm proud of you for figuring out your background this background oh wait you just put that into zoom yeah let's oh, just okay. in zoom it's easy okay it's easy
0: screenshot of bitboy done oh my oh, excuse God. me i revealed inspired by a crypto influencer that's mm-hmm. all i'll say yeah this is not about a, a, an individual at all but yeah. uh notice i'm and not wearing glasses you're not wearing glasses subject.
1: glasses are absent no glasses man. no glasses Dude, well, should we do this? You ready I have no in? idea how Luke is going to layer on my crypto dick butt onto my green screen spandex suit.
0: <laughs> I actually have no idea um, how you're supposed to see. Like, are those like... Yeah, I had, to, I had to cut is out that...
1: little eye holes for be able to, to do this. <laughs> and I let me tell you, I'm way. going to be extremely frustrated like one hour into this weekly roll-up. <laughs> I'm already ready to get this thing off.
0: <laughs> it's going to be super hot sweaty. The grossest roll up ever. Um, I can't smile, by the way, because every time I do it, like, I chase my chase uh, my beard. Yeah. Yeah. yeah this, so, is, this is why uh, you don't have a beard at IRL. Be somber. No, yeah, that's the reason. That's the reason why I don't have a beard. It's too- <laughs> that's the reason. Okay, topics of the week. David, let's give the people what they really want. They're not here for the costumes. Yes, they They're are. here for the content, all right? <laughs> They're here for the not financial advice part of Bankless. Number one, we got to talk about ETH being almost deflationary. This is so weird. I can't see your facial reaction, So we're just, <laughs> <laughs> just going with it. Uh, number two, Apple is being real sketchy with NFTs, David. It seems like they want to sterilize them. It's kind of weird. And what, mm. what else we
1: got, David? And Lord of the Rings, NFTs. Mm. Uh, hmm. We're going to see how that lands with uh, the community. Uh do you think, Ryan, Lord of the Rings fans are also NFT enjoyers? Uh, I think there's a high overlap there. But uh, I
0: almost want to buy one, but I'm not going to. Ooh. And uh, we'll, we'll, talk to, we'll talk about why when about we get why. to that section. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. <laughs> oh let's get in the markets, God. David.
1: Hey, it was a good week. It was good a good week. week. It was a yeah. good week.
0: What, what uh, is Bitcoin price looking at right now?
1: Uh, Bitcoin, start of the week at $19,250. It went up 7% to $20,600. Very impressive, 7%. Well done, Bitcoin. We love it. We love it. That's super impressive.
0: Um, we're going to talk about why maybe in a, in a minute. How about ETH? What's that doing for us? Uh, ETH went up
1: 19.2%. What? 19.2%. <laughs> you don't get those very often. Start of the week at $1,300. Ending the week where we are right now at 1550 dollars Fifteen hundred and fifty dollars. So fantastic week for oh, ETH.
0: Almost a twenty percent up week. That's a uh, big, big, big. Uh, and I'm wondering if this is kind of the the like less supply on the market, you know, taking shape in that it's like when it goes up, it just it goes up, up in a big hurry. Week.
1: That was my take as well. I don't know if we're ever going to be able to say that this is because of the burn, like with a hundred percent level of confidence. Sure. But we we were saying it before that when Ether does go up, it's going to go up more aggressively. Because because of the supply restriction out of EIP one five five nine and the proof of stake merge, yeah. All we need, all we need is like crypto YouTuber confidence. That's all we need. So yeah, hundred percent. One hundred percent. Ten thousand <laughs> percent. Because, because of We are fighting for you. Okay, this is not about us. We are fighting for you.
0: I hope you guys understand this. Uh, let's. It's not about the bit. money for me. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about the single largest liquidation event in FTX history, and the runner-up isn't even close. That happened last week—a six hundred million dollar liquidation event. That's because people weren't ready for this big leg up. What are we looking at here, David?
1: Yeah, we're looking. We're looking at the uh, crypto prices. Um, we're, we're also uh, looking at on the bottom here the aggregation liquidations of all the global average of liquidations, and yes, there is just this massive green candle implying. Massive liquidations. Uh, and so a lot of bears uh, were shorting crypto, shorting ether, shorting Bitcoin. Uh, and when it went when those prices went up a little bit, we saw a cascading liquidation to the upside the, the way that we like it to go. Uh, and so there was a short squeeze, was a big short squeeze to the tune of six hundred million dollars of shorts liquidated. Uh, and that's why crypto prices moved so violently. Too many people were bearish. Can you tell me why you would like you're you're a brave you're a brave man you're a brave individual David but like would you ever have the balls to like short crypto I never I would never (laughs) ever short anything even like even Terra Luna while it was going down I was like I could short this thing's gonna collapse but but, like no like there's like crypto is so irrational it doesn't make any sense to short.
0: Well, I think some traders learned that. And uh, it wasn't just the 600 million on FTX. It was crypto traders hit by 1.2 billion worth of short liquidations. Uh, and that was earlier this week. Uh, so, a pretty harsh lesson. This is the reason you don't go margin and you never short crypto. Of course, not financial advice, life advice. ETH, Bitcoin on the ratio. Mm-hmm. That's got to have a good week. What's, what are we looking at here?
1: Yeah, uh, ETH is up 11.5% versus Bitcoin. We are coming into the tune of 0.0753. That ratio. 0. 0. Good. How, how's,
0: your, how's your ratio bet holding up, David?
1: Uh, well, it was red before this week and now it's green. Huh, nice. Yeah. Good to be green. I, I definitely could have opened that trade at a more opportune opportunity. Um, but over the long term, I just don't care.
0: It's kind of funny. You, you kind of look like a big green candle right now. If you just like <laughs> tuck your arms in, hold your arms in. David is a big green candle right now. <laughs> well, no, he,
1: They can't see that. They just see Dick <laughs> oh,
0: oh, man. Well, I'll have to screenshot this for uh, for everyone else. Let's look at some charts, though. Uh, a few coins of note this week. Um, the first is, well oh, actually, first, let's get a crypto market cap. Are we mm-hmm. above a trillion? We are. Yeah,
1: we are above a trillion. $1.04 trillion. We are now, once again, measuring the total crypto market cap with a T instead of a B, which makes me feel good.
0: We love the T's. All right, some charts. Let's look at Aptos. Why do you want to show us Aptos today, David?
1: Uh, because it's on the menu. It's on the list. It's on CoinGecko. Aptos is there uh, trading at uh, one something wow. uh, billion dollars with a fully diluted valuation of $9.2 billion. So Ryan, you are wondering, you kidding me? It's yeah, almost worth po- $10 billion. It's almost worth $10 billion. So you wonder why there's like all of these VCs are always doing these like alt layer one, like Ethereum killers. And now Aptos is like the Solana killer. And maybe eventually there'll be the Aptos killer. It cuz It's because these things keep on coming to market at billions of dollars. So it doesn't matter that they're doing like these $300 million seed rounds. The VCs have to do it because it works. It works every time,
0: every, every cycle. time, every With time, almost like it works in like, it seems like a one out of 10 layer one bets. I don't know. I just pulled that number out of nowhere, but yeah. like it works a lot of the it time. Works,
1: yeah. It works too much of the time,
0: Such that you're, if you're a rational VC, you almost have to take these bets. Yeah. Um, Dogecoin. What's Dogecoin Dogecoin
1: is up 30% on the week. I think it's actually the winner of the week over the Why? seven day period. Why? That's it. I'm so glad you asked Ryan. Uh, it's because Elon Musk bought Twitter. That deal is going through. And so Elon Musk, the the pumper of Doge, uh, is now the CEO leader of Twitter. And so as a result, Doge goes from six cents to where it is now at a little over seven and a half cents. So up to something percent.
0: Did you see that um, picture of him like walking to the Twitter offices? Yeah, it was a big ass sink. A a kitchen sink. Why was he doing that? I think it was some joke of like, um, you know, I threw in everything, but even the kitchen sink, something like this. And so he showed up with a sink, you know, for the memes. Uh, right. and Doge itself is a, uh, a meme coin. So, yeah. uh, you know, look it's at that. Meme, I memes all don't way understand down, it. Yeah. Uh, ETH. And that ETH of is course the big too. one.
1: Yeah. The number one, uh, biggest increase in total crypto market cap came from ETH. Uh, so over the, uh, over the seven day period, like we said, up almost 20%.
0: I'm just looking at the charts and looking at these lows when we were down in the Mm -hmm. 900s. That was uh, back in June, so a few months ago now. I'm going to once
1: again flex my bottom tick buy of $897, which doesn't even show up as a low on the CoinGecko chart. Like You just have to take the dub on that one.
0: You know what? I'm going to let you flex that because uh, I respect that. I respect that, David. That was was definitely a good buy. Um, Mm. I think it could hold up. But there's a big question we're going to get to is, have we seen the bottom yet? But before we do, let's talk about Meta. Has Meta seen the bottom, David? Meta had an absolutely—this is, of course, Facebook, uh, formerly Mm -hmm. Facebook, now called Meta. We don't talk about stocks often, but this is notable. If you bought $10,000 worth of Meta seven years ago, you would now have— nine thousand five hundred and forty six for the astute listeners that is less than ten (laughs) thousand dollars over a seven year seven year period of time um pretty uh pretty big miss pretty rough and earnings came out yesterday i don't know if you caught some of that but um, Mm. basically the tldr is like all of this investment in the metaverse not yet paying off yeah
1: there are other contributing factors to poor
0: earnings but like, big losses not paying off yet. you have any other takes here?
1: No, that sounds about right. But I think if you'd expect, like, hey, if you're going to invest in the metaverse, when we literally invented this metaverse word, like, a year ago, in, t- in terms of, like, investability and, and infrastructure, like, you'd expect to take losses early in order to be able to profit and harvest later. So, like, this, that shouldn't come out as a big surprise. Dude, if it goes down another 25%, this tweet is what you're saying, uh, it will be less than the market cap of Ethereum.
0: So, mm-hmm. Ethereum will flip in Meta.
1: Yeah, Meta uh, right now is worth less than Home Depot. Wow, really? Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yikes. Yeah. Uh, well. Which kind of makes know. sense in like this whole era of, of mac- the macro economy, like commodities, real Digital world down. stuff, like building actual housing. It makes sense that Home Depot would have like a good valuation versus Metaverse right now.
0: Yeah. I can't take advice uh, looking at you right now from you know, in the suit. But um, yes, well, I'm Well, you're a bit agree. boy, bro. How can't take no, advice I from am, you. I'm a generic crypto influencer. And by the way, <laughs> thousands of people take advice from crypto influencers. Millions, might I add. Uh, you should see my follower accounts. Um, the big question, though, David, I think, that people want to know is, have we bottomed yet? Um, mm-hmm. This is uh, an article from Zero Hedge from Miller. Uh, Stanley Druckenmiller. A decade of no returns, he says, uh, is the title of this. And uh, this is based on Druckenmiller's recent comments. Here's one quote from him. There's a high probability in my mind that the market at best is going to be kind of flat for 10 years, sort of like 1966 to 82 time period. This is sort of not just Druckenmiller saying this, but a lot of macro uh, thought leaders saying this as well. That basically we could be in for a flat decade, a flat or maybe a down decade. And primarily they're talking about like bonds, of course, but uh, but also equities. And so there's that idea. Uh, What do you think of of that idea generally? And then we can give kind of the counterpoint to this.
1: When we talk to Lynn Alden and we try and get, hey Lynn Alden, we're confused and scared. Will you help us like tell a story about the history of stuff? And she like pulls in like, well, this part of this macro world looks like this decade. This part of the macro world looks like that decade. I think that's what Stanley Druckenmiller is doing. Is saying like, hey, like inflation. Let's go backwards a few decades and say, hey, let's go. You know, look at the last time there was inflation and like the stock market didn't move for over a decade. I think that's what he's doing. Um, and I think just the broader question is, does history? rhyme and to and to what degree uh i think the other more relevant question is does how much does crypto get caught up in that yeah Um, yeah uh and like we're definitely coupled to macro now but like we were also coupled to macro people don't really talk about this often but we were also coupled to macro in 2018 when crypto prices crashed like interest rates were going up in 2018 um and then over time We had the bear market. We had the crypto bear market, also called the build market. And eventually what happened was that we built so much that we just forced our own decoupling during DeFi summer. Um, I guess it wasn't totally decoupling because uh, that's also when like stimmy checks were going out. Um, But like it did, crypto did decouple and like move away from the stock market. So at some point, like building crypto will just take over and there's no way that crypto can have like a 10 year flat market because we build too fast. Like stuff happens too quickly. So there's, uh, I think two questions here.
0: So, you know, one question is, is Druckenmiller right about this being the decade of no returns? And the second question is how could that affect crypto if he is right? This is uh Vance Spencer's take from framework. What if the doomers are wrong? What if the macro podcasters are just relishing in their 15 minutes of fame, run for your life and on. Um, hmm. I think the take here is like, uh, Good news or bad news tends to kind of spread virally and, yeah. and crowd out good news. And sometimes you can be seen as more of an expert if you're predicting, um, you know, chaos and and uh, negative things than in predicting bullishness. And Vance is just like saying, "What if everyone's wrong about this?" It's almost right. like Druckenmiller has kind of become a consensus view. There's a yeah. question of what if macro is is wrong, but then there's also a question of like macro. Druckenmiller could be right on macro. Vance could be right on macro. But like, how do you prepare for either case? Mm. And uh, crypto podcast, we are crypto bullish, obviously. But do you know what seems pretty compelling is the asset class of crypto because it is different than equities. It is also different, of course, than bonds in that it is a type of commodity money whose issuance is decreasing over time. It's actually deflating. And so as long as digital... Uh, like block space demand increases on something like Ethereum and supply goes down, I think it stands in contrast to other assets, even even equities in the market. And so, mm. I I do really am very optimistic that even if Druckenmiller is right, I think we will see a decoupling of macro from crypto uh, at some point uh, during this decade, and that could be an absolutely massive decoupling event too. So, I'm still super bullish on the uh, we call the crypto barbell strategy, where yeah. you have like your crypto. And that's a large majority of your investments. And then you have super safe assets like dollars, for instance, like stable coins and crypto. Dollars and Two side of the bar. Yeah. And then like nothing in the middle. Mm-hmm. Um, that's my favorite way to approach these markets. Of course, yeah. not financial advice, but uh, we'll see what happens next. David,
1: um, USD, the stable coins. Binance. Coin, this, Binance, Binance yeah. coins. It's on a mm-hmm. tear.
0: What's happening here?
1: Uh, the just the total supply is going up. It's crossed twenty billion dollars this month for the first time ever, and now owns more than fifteen percent of all stablecoin market share. Uh, and according to some data out of the block here, BUSD accounts for twenty-two percent of stablecoin trading pair volume. So, Binance USD getting a, planting a flag. See, here to, I, it's here to stay it's interesting to see who
0: it's taking away from a little bit of usdc it looks like it's taking away from that's the, the pink here dc uh-huh. and then the bottom uh this sort of purple blue is usdt so it's taking a little bit from uh, usdc and a little bit from tether in order right. to c- carve out that market share well that makes uh, sense let's we'll do the two other big ones wall street journal this is a headline Andreessen uh-huh. horowitz a16c went all in on crypto at the worst possible time what do you what do you make of this headline, and uh, what, what's the article say?
1: Yeah, it's basically just kind of a recap of the state of A16Z's crypto fund thus far. A16Z, of course, raised $4.5 billion, the largest ever fund to raise anything for crypto ever. Uh, And then it's, uh, but the the line here is that the crypto fund has shed 40%, 40% of its value in the first half of this year, Uh, according to people familiar with the matter, says the article. Basically, they deployed a lot of capital at the top. Uh, and they says despite they still have a ton of cash and they say despite the record cash pile, A16Z and Dreesen has dramatically slowed the pace of its crypto investments this year. Mainly, I think what we're really seeing is we're just seeing like uh, trad media reporting that A16Z crypto is down bad. Um, but I think I think you, there's no way that all of A16Z was allocating during 2021 where valuations were extremely overpriced without knowing that it's not like oh like uh pitch deck for a hundred million dollar valuation like they' they're smart people at a 16 Z they kind of know that they were allocating at the top and I think they they're ready to take that well what's funny to me is it's down forty percent in crypto. I'm like I consider that a win <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> well done only right. down yeah. 20, ether 40%. and Bitcoin are
1: down like 85 percent at the
0: bottom, right yeah yeah it's funny how these headlines come out at seventy percent uh, at yeah. these yeah. times um all right, guys, we got a lot coming up next. David, what is happening next in the roll up? Uh, Ether,
1: almost ultra sound, maybe ultra sound by the time you are listening to this. We're going to continue a little bit of the conversation of inflation versus deflation when it comes to Ether and also talk about the security spend over the last 30 to 40 days because those numbers get me real excited. Uh, and then also, as well, Apple wants to sterilize your NFTs. What the hell does that mean? And PayPal continuing to be shady. Uh, so we'll get to all of these conversations and more. Ryan, do you know why? Uh, <laughs> you know why? So last year I had I painted my CryptoPunk onto my face. Yeah. And like, and I wore the hat, and I actually was my CryptoPunk. Yeah. You know why I had to do the the green screen thing this year? Because why? Because my Crypto dick butt's naked. <laughs> <laughs> You, you weren't willing to do that for the uh, podcast. Oh, it's not willing to do. Well, what would I do? I am mean, I my crypto dick, but uh, here I am without a shirt. No, I couldn't do that.
0: <laughs> I don't know. Whatever it takes for the views. That's what a crypto influencer would do if you're a, a real YouTuber. It's all about those views, David. All right, guys. We'll be right back with more. First, we're going to get to these sponsors. Ether. It's finally happening, David. Ether is almost ultra sound money. It's almost official. David, what are we looking at? What are the stats? What are we waiting for?
1: <laughs> We're, of course, looking at our favorite website, ultrasound.money. We're not there yet, but we're so close. The trajectory looks really strong. Uh, Ether, since the merge 42 days ago, has issued 0.009% inflation. That is a total supply of new, net new total supply of 1,200. I actually saw it down to as low as 950 Ether since the merge yesterday. Uh, So over 42 days about a thousand ether has been issued to pay for Ethereum security. Just one thousand ether. Less than point zero <laughs> one so percent. So we are so close. When's it gonna to happen ultrasound? Look,
0: it's kinda like uh you know, going up and down on the bottom here. When's it gonna yeah. happen?
1: It's real it's real teasing <laughs> us. I put out a tweet yesterday saying today's Such the a day, tease. but Mike, the, the gas fees are just only barely uh, above the threshold, so we were burning just a little bit, so this could carry on a little bit. But I mean, the trajectory is so good, Ryan. But is this a new uh, glasses emoji on the current supply?
0: I think that is. Wait, what? Do you What's know nothing triggers me more than glasses, David?
1: I, nothing. <laughs> that guy wearing his goddamn glasses. <laughs> the current supply is of that the because elite. of the, the the shenanigans? What happens in a second? I
0: have no idea. It's
1: just glasses. <laughs> so
0: triggering some kind of elite banker money that's what we've fallen for uh what you tweeted something about this let me read your tweet mm-hmm. ethereum has spent just 2.3 million on security in the last 40 days because of how efficient proof of stake is that 2.3 million of costs produced 13.5 billion of security mm-hmm. so that's a pretty good roi what are we talking about here
1: Yeah, so that number is actually lower now because we burnt more ether since that time. We were actually at $1.8 million spent on security over the last 42 days. And that produced $13.5 billion of security. Uh, That $13.5 billion of security, of course, is the amount of Ether that is staked to the Ethereum network that you would have to slash. So that is actually only 66% of the value of all staked Ether. Because if you want to go backwards on Ethereum, if you want to do a 51% attack, basically you have to slash Two thirds of all ether. This is uh, a crazy so th- stat,
0: man. I can't believe it. Thirteen
1: point five billion dollars is two thirds of the amount of the ether staked to Ethereum, and we are incentivizing that thir- that that which is actually so like total twenty billion dollars of of ether is being staked, ish, give or take. And that twenty billion dollars of security is coming just from one point eight million dollars of issuance over forty two days. You wanna uh, you, you wanna see something crazy, Ryan? Yeah. Scroll Something's down crazy. and just read the comments on this. Such a, a wild I was, stat. I was, a, well, okay, that's Victor Bunin. That's like the one positive comment. Uh, yeah. If you scroll down, I got into, uh, I got into triggered some Bitcoiners. And so the Bitcoiners just brigaded this tweet thread. Oh, really? And now they're all just making fun of me.
0: Uh, Ultra sound! <laughs> lost nearly 33 million in exploits in the last 30 days? What are you yeah, talking see, about?
1: that's apples to oranges.
0: Ethereum, that's not even relevant. Uh, yeah, oh, so I, this, this, tw- this tweet, this this, tweet this, just
1: got like absolutely brigaded by, mind, by Bitcoin Maxis because the they did not uh, like this at all.
0: Effing buffoon. Oh, yeah. Well, hey, uh-huh. I agree with that one, dude. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> <laughs> Any comments on OFAC compliance? A monetary yeah. policy that can change on a whim is definitely not ultra sound money. Educate yourself. Oh, well, uh, I guess oh, well. some people will see over time.
1: And so uh, here's, here's my take about this. So we yeah. were talking, we've been talking about the, the global macro like world right now. We're, we've been calling Flat. it wartime economies, yeah. right? Uh, wartime economies is where the United States. Uh, is going to inflate the dollar in order to pay for the assurances that Ukraine win the war in Russia. Uh, we are inflating the dollar. We're going to pay, uh, we're, we're going to uh, subsidize uh, energy in Europe so that Europe doesn't have to pay Russia money to heat Europe. So we're going to inflate the dollar as a result of that. We, what wartime economies means to me, Ryan, is that we have these warring nations that are throwing their fiat currencies at each other, trying to win an economic war against each other other and that comes at the loss of the value of the currency they are trying to out expend their economic opponents europe is trying to secure the european economy the united states is trying to secure the american economy we're trying to end the war (laughs) (laughs) we're trying to end the war in ukraine by just spending more than Russia and we're trying to do that so we don't have to use we don't have to engage with the Russian economy Uh, and so we're just throwing our currencies at each other that's what wartime currencies that's what wartime economies are wars are expensive and the, the result is a currency inflation and a tax on savers the people that are basically footing the bill for these wartime economies are bondholders in stark contrast to Ether and the ETH stake rate Ethereum has no wars we don't have we have very minimal expenditures and we only have savings and so these things cannot be polar opposites of each other. Ethereum does one thing and secure the Ethereum economy. The United States nation does many, many things and it does those things at a loss for the value of the dollar because we're trying to secure more than just the United States economy. Uh, And so like the contrast here I think could not be stronger.
0: Well this is why like I think the uh, Ether as an internet bond is going to kind of take off as a uh, versus sovereign debt, like sovereign debt is bonds, the debt of nations, right? And that's what's Mm -hmm. kind of spiraling out of control. Um, but when you can instead of buying a sovereign debt, buy an internet bond, non-sovereign debt, right or crypto network secured debt essentially, that's an entire new Entirely new asset class and that's what I mm-hmm. mean when we're talking about uh, Druckenmiller kind of like the flat decade This is this is where crypto I think could really start to outpace all of the other assets equities that are kind of based on On nation-state economies uh, and then bonds themselves, which of course are totally tied into nation-state economies And then here's a new internet native network state economy like Ethereum, uh, And it has completely different economics. It's just gonna outcompete them as an asset class that's at least uh, I think, a possible prediction for for how this turns out. David, we got some weird news coming out of Apple. <laughs> uh, here's the headline. Apple refuses to exempt NFTs from the App Store's 30% fee. So dealing with another gatekeeper, not the banks this time, but a big tech gatekeeper. The app, Apple platform, of course, takes a 30% cut on all App Store-related fees. So any app that generates a fee, Apple gets their 30%, and they say, hey, crypto should be the exact same. What's going on with this story?
1: Yeah, there's just a number of rules that Apple has placed. So Apple apps, excuse me, apps may use in-app purchase to sell and sell sell services related to non-fungible tokens, such as minting, listing, and transferring. Okay, cool. So we can sell NFTs inside of the app store, great except for we have to pay them 30%. Uh, Apps may allow viewers to view their own NFTs, provided that NFT ownership does not unlock features or functionality within the app. Okay, so if your NFT does something, it better not do that thing inside of the app store. Uh, And then lastly, apps may allow users to browse NFT collections owned by others, provided that the apps may not include buttons, external links, or other calls to action that direct customers to purchasing mechanisms other than the in-app purchase. Uh this is like nation state capital controls, except it's the Apple ecosystem. Monopoly. Uh, basically. It's a monopoly. It's a monopoly and and they're they're saying like, hey, all your taxes belong to us. Uh no commerce shall happen on an Apple device that Apple does not receive a tax on. And that tax is thirty percent. What, what's interesting uh, so here is like
0: the posture is like yeah, we're not going to ban NFTs, guys. This is We're right. not going to ban right. NFTs, all right? All we're doing is imposing right. our regular 30% tax on NFTs. Oh, and by the way, they can't actually do anything. So right. they can't unlock, they can't have any utility inside of the application. It just has to be a, a JPEG, like a pretty picture or something right. like this, a collectible of some sort. Right. And then we'll allow you to uh, do that, right? It's
1: view completely them. permissioned. You can view them, yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it feels very much like, um, do you know how uh, Josh Rosenthal in the Crypto Renaissance podcast, you um, talked about how we are, like from a digital perspective, living in almost feudal times? Yep. right? Yep. It's like, we don't own any of our own property.
1: We have and to so, ask permission to live.
0: Yeah, big Silicon Valley tech companies are the landlords, right? Yep. We are the plebs. We are the serfs that work their land... we just Uh, accept it. (laughs) You just (laughs) accept it. Just take it. Like, this does not work. And I'm I'm so hopeful that Web3 and
1: crypto will disrupt this monopoly. Yeah, Um, Yeah. the the pushback on this was really, really strong. Uh, And so this is a tweet that with a screenshot says, with Apple's new rules, social networking apps like Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, that allow companies to buy boosts for social media posts must use in-app purchases for these transactions. This means when an advertiser wants to boost a post on a social network like Facebook or Twitter using an iOS device, Facebook will be required to give Apple a 30% cut of the proceeds. So this is not only like Apple going off, off to the users and say, hey, users pay us 30%, but also going off to Zuckerberg and say, Zuckerberg, you pay Apple 30% to access anyone that has an iPhone.
0: Wow. So uh, the feudal lords battling the other feudal lords there as well. Yeah. Uh, what's the tweet from Tim Sweeney?
1: Tim Sweeney, yeah. To cryptocurrency enthusiasts, this means Apple is now adding a 30% tax on your so-called true ownership of digital goods. To cryptocurrency distractors, detractors, this shows Apple's motivations are only money. For digital items, they don't support NFTs, they tax, they ban NFTs, they don't tax. Yeah. So how do we get out of this, David? Does crypto need to build its own phones
0: we need our own app store. Do we need to fork yeah, so Android? Th- do you know the Solana phone? That, Sol- her-
1: the Solana people were all up in arms. This was one gigantic advertisement to the whole Solana phone, Solana i like operating system. The concept. Uh, yeah, and kind of like why they said the justification as to why they need to do this in the first place. So like you, you got to hand it to them. This is this is exactly what they were talking about when they made that whole Solana phone to begin with.
0: I feel like um, a forked version of the Android maybe is is another path to take. Um, but ultimately, I think competitive forces will. Require that yeah. Apple reverse course, reverse course here, but uh, we'll see yeah, how that it, plays it out. It basically
1: goes against the entire NFT industry. <laughs> it does.
0: Um, let's talk about PayPal. This is a. Yeah. Do you remember? There's a few rollups ago. Remember that thing where PayPal updated their terms of service so they mm-hmm. could steal like 2,500 from your account if you have a PayPal account. Uh, they updated their t- terms of service to say that if you said something they don't like, for example, for, for any reason, if, if, if you, something if you is against verbalize their policy, anything
1: that violates their terms of service,
0: exactly. Um, and then uh, people got really upset on, on Twitter about this and kind of media, yeah. and they, they called uh, uh, PayPal out for and PayPal was like, no, no, just, that was a mistake. Just kidding. Uh, we didn't actually add that to the terms. That was a mistake. Don't know how that got out, and they removed it from their terms. Well last week they just added this language back in (laughs) like when with no change the world wasn't looking i guess everyone is obsessed with kanye and like no one was looking and then this so this is the um, the the terms that they added the promotion of hate violence racial or other forms of intolerance that is discriminatory gives them essentially the ability to uh withdraw $2,500 from your bank account here's the thing (laughs) it's like how crazy is this? Like we have to, I mean, how often have you read your bank's terms of services, right? Or PayPal's terms of services, or do you keep up with every update when they release a new terms Absolutely of service? Absolutely
1: not. No one does. It's impossible. That would be drowning. And that would be, that would be a, if I did that, if I if you read every single terms of service, that would be like a mental disorder and you would need to get help. For sure. And like also it'd be like a full time. Like you don't there's not yeah. even the capacity it would, it would, to it, it would suck up your entire life. That's
0: how broken it is. I, I loved a, a tweet from um one commenter who said, where are the immutable terms of service? We can't stay up to date with all the terms of service of the millions of services we use daily. Yeah, particularly banks. Where are mm. the immutable terms of services? David, that's what crypto <laughs> is. Is that what a smart contract is? That's what a smart contract is. It's I an mean, immutable, immutable terms of service, terms of service where mm-hmm. no one can go back mm-hmm. and reverse things on you or while you're not looking, change the rules to withdraw yeah. 2500 from your ETH yeah. address when you're not looking. That's impossible. We have immutable yeah. terms of service. Yeah. This is why we go bankless. And whether PayPal plays the game of removing it again and it was like just kidding or like it's not really what we meant, how can we trust them? Like, how can we trust any banks not to slip these sorts of things in when the opportunity arises? Uh, This is why we go bankless.
1: Yeah. And in contrast to terms of service, which is like, you know, 10,000 pages of mostly legal speak, a smart contract, even though, like, I can't read a smart contract, I don't read code, at least a smart contract is like, the minimum viable lines of code needed to do something. So at least they're they're not adding in and layering in fluff on fluff on fluff on legal speak, right? It's extremely precise. It's not subjective. It can't be settled in courts. And Mm -hmm. we know any smart contract,
0: unless it's programmed to explicitly withdraw money from your account, it's not going to. It can't. It doesn't have the ability to.
1: Nor yeah. to update. I would imagine terms. our uh, social media editors, Ryan, are, like, might cut this clip particularly, just like, the, and just with the line, "This is why you go bankless about what we're talking about." Yeah. And then our costumes are just on Twitter while we're talking about this with <laughs> no context, absolutely zero context. This is why you go the bankless.
0: <laughs> <laughs> the, the crazy people in costumes are telling you, yeah, "You're like, wait, who the hell are these people? Oh, I didn't know I followed this like, Twitter this account." This is a serious podcast. All right, once a year we do this. Only once a year. It's not costumes every week. This is your first <laughs> bankless. We do not. Uh, Dressed like this every single week, but David,
1: what do we have coming up next? Some super serious topics. What are they? MakerDAO had a vote to go either with Ma- uh, Rune Christensen's Endgame or go against it. Uh, Mad King Rune is back, Oof. or is there broad community support? We'll have to figure that one out. Also, Lord of the Rings NFTs, exciting or dud? We'll see what uh, Lord of the Rings and, and Warner Brothers is doing in Web three, and also. FTX Stablecoin? What do you think the FTX Stablecoin ticker would be called, Ryan? Uh, (laughs) F-U-S-C? No. (laughs) F-U-S-C. (laughs) F-U-S-T. That could be a name in itself. It should. (laughs) Anyways, all of these conversations and more right after we get to some of these fantastic sponsors that make the show possible. DevCon 6, which was, of course a little over a week ago, but all my interviews are out now. So the DEVCON 6 experience, if you want to catch up on DEVCON and feel like you didn't miss a beat, all of my DEVCON videos are interviews with Vitalik, Dankrad, Justin Drake, Kevin Iwaki, Aya Iguchi, Peter from Geth, the first interview I've ever the seen devs. from Peter these are the protocol Jeff. devs yeah these are the protocol devs all of these interviews they're between 10 to 20 minutes long uh, just bite-sized interviews to catch you up with what happened at DevCon so don't miss out on DevCon a bunch of cool stuff happened where, where's that? that's, on uh, that's on YouTube it's also on the RSS feed though right it's also on the RSS feed so either way wherever you're listening to this uh, they are where you are listening to this okay, so fantastic. go check those out I,
0: I listened to the Vitalik one I can't wait to listen to others it, DevCon 6 yeah. right because this is Roman numerals. yes, yes I missed four, up my um, Roman numerals. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's been a while who knows Who uses Roman numerals anyway? Yeah, it's ridiculous. The fake number system. Okay. Uh, MakerDAO. uh, They Mm -hmm. just... Yeah, this is the MakerDAO news we were were, uh, talking about just before the break in two parts. So the first part Mm -hmm. is the community has approved Coinbase's proposal to custody up to $1.6 billion of USDC Mm -hmm. with Coinbase Prime. The reason they're doing that is to get a little bit of return on that money. It's interesting that that is all being custody, but I guess it also doesn't matter because it's USDC USDC, anyway. So it's all Mm -hmm. Coinbase money at the end of the day. That's one part of the Maker News. What's the other part here?
1: Yeah, the other part is the broad MakerDAO member support of Rune Christensen's endgame plan to break up uh, MakerDAO into many, many, many meta DAOs, smaller DAOs. Uh, this is uh, an effort to make MakerDAO more censorship resistant, more decentralized, uh, and definitely pr- part of the reaction to Tornado Cash and some other just regulatory uh, influences, uh, but this has been, of course, controversial because while there has been above, about eighty percent in support versus twenty percent uh, to uh, against, seventy-four uh, percent was Rune Christensen and all delegates, delegates to Rune Christensen. So. Uh, it's a little a little bit that like Rune, it's kind of Rune's Way or the Highway with how much well, broad support. But isn't support the problem he here has? like voter apathy? Like if people wanted to Perhaps, vote something yeah. else,
0: then just vote something else. It's not like he has all of that economic interest.
1: I wouldn't necessarily call it voter apathy because if it was a bigger deal, then there'd be less apathy. I think people are kind of just trusting with their who they're delegating to hmm. uh, but uh, there's been some some uh, controversy so just it's really hard to outvote rune it's really really hard to outvote rune this is awesome. uh, hazu who is probably the leader of the uh, no side of the endgame plan tweets out the end game plan is an exceptionally bad proposal and it's really sad for maker that it passed the signal shoved through by rune single-handedly in the face of strong and justified criticism how much of it will actually be implemented remains to be seen uh and so this is uh not this is controversial. I would say there's not unanimous support by the maker community on the endgame plan, yet it went through anyways.
0: DAOs are messy. Is that the takeaway? Dows here? Are messy.
1: Yep. Dows are messy. Yep. DAOs Espec- are messy, DAOs are Especially maker DAOs is especially messy. Yeah, I yeah. don't know
0: like what side I'd fall on because it's like it's honestly it's gone beyond me in terms of the intricate details here. So uh I can't even give you a take here other than DAOs yeah. are kind of messy. We gotta fix governance, we gotta figure that mm-hmm. out. Um, layer two community grants from the ethereum
1: foundation they are now open what does this mean david yeah the ethereum foundation launching a grants initiative to encourage research and development around the layer two applications education and ecosystem uh, that includes stuff like block explorers uh, compression technology and just broad education uh, and so the grant round has a qu- three quarters of one million dollars seven hundred fifty thousand dollars in total grants available proposals are due in six weeks, starting from a few days ago. Uh, so that will take us into December. Uh, and so if you are have some sort of project and you want to make a proposal about it, uh, no matter what phase of that project in, whether it's just an idea, proof of concept, work in progress, or fleshed out, doesn't matter, uh, you can submit your, pro- your project to the EF's grant system for uh, 2022 layer twos. A lot of great uh, projects so are in the grant system.
0: Know. ENS uh, comes to mind, Uniswap, of course. Meanwhile, in the NFT world, NFTs, Reddit NFTs, that is, are picking up steam, and it is definitely showing in the numbers. David, this is a tweet called The Flippening, and we're seeing what? King Reddit alien at the number one spot above CryptoPunks? Is that what just happened?
1: Yeah, yeah. This is volume numbers of ETH traded for the Reddit avatars uh, coming in at 503 Ether volume. I think over what must be a seven-day period, maybe a one-day period, uh, versus CryptoPunks coming in number two at 378 Ether traded. This is on uh, So OpenSea. I actually kind of didn't, this, this is actually completely unexpected to me because I kind of thought that if you are collecting uh, like Reddit digital collectibles on like uh, Polygon, I don't th- didn't think that you would be trading these things for a bunch of Ether. Uh, and not only that, but like uh, Spooky Season Reddit collectible avatars coming in at number one. Another Reddit collectible is coming in at number four at 183. And so these are wow, actually poking I didn't themselves see that. right into the DeFi NFT ecosystem on Polygon. This is it. Uh, Mihalo from Polygon says, uh, Reddit NFTs are an amazing example and a huge win for all of Web3. 3 million wallets, 99% unique users, $100 million market cap, and a native Reddit community. Uh, organic, no crypto Twitter noise and no price pumping. That's true. And all of this stuff is just, hey, yeah, that's a good point. Um, and it's all on Polygon. So congrats to Polygon on this huge win. I always thought Reddit was going to be on Arbitrum AnyTrust. Uh, what the hell happened there? Yeah,
0: I don't know. Uh, but I can, I can say, as a crypto YouTube influencer, I'm pretty upset
1: I didn't get to pump this to these, wow. these NFTs myself. Couldn't dump on your, your <laughs> listeners, huh? <laughs> yes. That, that is upsetting because that is your business model. Do you
0: know, um, William Pister wrote a fantastic article. If you're looking to find out more, if you're a crypto native, you're not in the Reddit NFT scene. This is almost like we're translating, uh, you know, normie NFTs for crypto users. And uh, this is, you could see it on Dune Analytics, David. Look at this graph. It's that's awesome. Reddit NFT that That's up into the right. Usage, up into the right. Uh, anyway, go check it out if you want to read more about the Reddit collectible avatars. But it's really showing up in the numbers. And uh, it's really cool that ETH is kind of the the money for all of these systems yeah. as well. Um, yeah, that's nuts. Yeah, piercing into normie space. Speaking of which, Lord of the Rings. Haven't you always wanted an NFT for Lord <laughs> of the Rings?
1: I, I actually haven't asked myself that really? question.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, I I, I, mean, look, uh, I'm a huge Lord of the Rings fan. Did, did you watch any of the Rings of Power stuff?
1: Uh yeah, yeah, they, they didn't capture my attention, but I watched a few episodes yeah, yeah. Same
0: here. It's not 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 quite the same level. This is the yeah. OG, the original Lord of the Rings. Yeah. And this looks like Warner Brothers is introducing a whole um movie experience, a set of NFTs, a collection of NFTs. I think there's about right. 11,000 NFTs mm-hmm. here as part of their web3 movie push. What's this about, David?
1: Yeah, if you go back to the the first tweet, they are really leaning into the whole Web3 thing. So the tweet reads, Introducing a hashtag Web3 movie experience. And like in the little promo trailer, like under the Warner Brothers logo, they have Web3 in the actual animation. Uh, And it's kind of confusing as to what that means, but it does look like some sort of immersive experience where you get to explore parts of the Lord of the Rings world. I don't know how you would do that. Uh, I guests with your like your tv remote you would navigate it on your tv it reminds me of those old weird like uh dvd DVD games that you would play yeah yeah. dvd menus um but i mean they're leaning into it and there are collectible things i don't even know what you collect but Uh, there are uh, things that you can mint. There are NFTs that you can mint. Like what they actually are minting, I don't really know, but the point is that they unlock things. Uh, So I'll I'll read from the articles here. Users can pick from two options for the Lord of the Rings NFTs. There are the mystery conditions when users can randomly mint a common, uncommon, or rare NFT, respectively, based on the Shire, Rivendell, and Mines of Moria locations in the film. Minting one of these NFTs also gives users access to the extended 4K version of the film Eight hours of special features and commentary, as well as location-specific images and AR collectibles. This option contains ten thousand NFTs, costing thirty dollars each. Oh, so you get the uh, movies this, too? It's like you get eight hours of content. Uh, so this okay. is this is a this is an NFT access thing. Uh, That gives you stuff. A new way to Uh, buy the DVD sort
0: of thing. Exactly,
1: exactly. The second option is an epic edition costing $100 for 999 NFTs. Include image galleries and AR collectibles to the Shire, Rivendell, and Mines of Moria in addition to the extended 4K film and eight hours of special features. So like this is, again, this is what NFTs are for. These are for the super fans. Maybe you're like watching this. I'm like, I don't really, I'm confused. But the super (laughs) fans are watching this thing and be like, I'm totally buying those. I don't care what they are. Uh, and so that's what's going on here. All they need is 10,999 people to buy one of these things. And but you know, there's definitely a lot of Lord of the Rings fans out there who are probably super ex- di- stoked to buy one of these yeah things.
0: also in crypto right the venn diagram's got to be uh like pretty pretty close there decent, decent. <laughs> decent. Ryan, ryan might be one of these people <laughs> yeah i might be one of these <laughs> maybe i've been called a fan but do you know i almost bought one of these or i almost like investigated it but um i yeah. have no idea what chain it's on what's it using it's something i've never heard of called aloof.io the content Alouv. blockchain Alouv.io. So yes. I don't know very much about this. And like, unless an NFT is somehow secured it, the, by the Ethereum. The
1: website is kind of 2017 vibes. A little strange, a little sketch. And it's a little Oh, they got strange. a white paper, yeah, here, though. And they, they got a white paper. That's a 2022 it's a white, white, paper. white paper. Yeah, the, 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 the kind of thing doesn't really work. Click, click the uh, blockchain tab on the top right yeah. there. Yeah. Uh, token model, like uh, our blockchain technology background, like it's, uh, I don't know, it's like he, plain. This is the thing, like, what's the,
0: what, what is an NFT <laughs> if you don't have um, is your kind of settlement guarantees or if you don't know what the settlement
1: guarantees are? No, just... it's like a, t- a Top Shot kind of thing yeah. where like, they don't really care about the settlement guarantees. I guess. Well, you know, But like a brand new blockchain, the problem, the problem, like settlement guarantees is one thing. If you want to give up settlement guarantees, fine. But like you got to hook yourself into the rest of the ecosystem. Like there, there's network effects to Ethereum. Yeah, for sure. Uh, oh God, this website's so <laughs> the content blockchain. Look,
0: it's a start though, and I had never heard of this thing. No, I've never heard of this thing either. It's it's a start though, and you know there are more experiments coming down the pike, including this one from Will Wright. Did you ever mm-hmm. play uh, games like The Sims or SimCity or anything? Oh, totally.
1: Oh, Sim Tower. Remember Sim
0: Tower? Sim Tower? Okay. I, used, yeah. I I did The Sims. I did SimCity. Uh, yeah. did you play the sims or were you just like me and you just made the houses over and over you and make the day? houses and then you make the pool and then you like put the sims in the pool and then you remove the ladder that was my favorite oh, thing to do wow
1: what a, that's, <laughs> pretty, that's pretty masochistic they're not real David <laughs> says the ai uh one of my friends would uh put them into a room with a toilet and a and a computer and make them write books to make money and that's the only thing that they I could wonder do how they, many people they would were playing sims
0: just to do like weird dark things just to like torture this. their sims yeah uh-huh. <laughs> anyway uh <laughs> anyways beside the point will write the uh the great um leader behind the sims all of the you know SimCity, all of those games he's now making a blockchain game um cool. he is excited about including nfts but it's also kind of down on nfts i think there's a quote here where he says i don't really want to be in the business of selling nfts so that's off the table will wright says uh-huh. emphasizing that his interest is in blockchain's ability to allow for secure transactions between players um yeah. pretty cool though makes sense have a legendary yeah. game developer starting to uh, do things on chain as well
1: yeah, I would imagine just like we, we talk about how stablecoins are just way better than like bank transfers, PayPal, Venmo. Yeah. The UX of stablecoins is just way better. And I think that's what he's leaning into here. He says, like, you can just make transactions happen between players without having to sign up for some no like third party needed. intermediaries, no banks, just like, you know, change, like
0: users and transactions. Imagine, which is great. imagine like a sim economy. That'd be pretty badass. Oh my God. It's like you have cities, you have. You mean systems. a metaverse
1: economy? Just,
0: ha- <laughs> yeah. I mean, but you have this whole simulated economy, but it's actually real. Like it actually has some right. kind of like real economic ties. I bet someone like Will Wright could do that. Um, Sounds like a metaverse, bro. Bitcoin, Salvadorians—they are have been surveyed recently. Of course, uh, Salvador El Salvador uh, and uh, the leader of El Salvador recently adopted and legalized Bitcoin as legal tender. In fact, kind of made it mandatory mm-hmm. in sort of a weird a way, authoritarian yeah. move but actually 77 percent of salvadorians surveyed think the government should stop spending public money on bitcoin what's your take on this
1: yeah, I feel like it shouldn't come as a surprise when El Salvador, which, you know, has a lot of room for improvement, I'm assuming, uh, as a country where, and like all the citizens are like, hey, uh, instead of buying Bitcoin, can you invest in public infrastructure? I mean, I feel like that's a pretty simple take to have as a citizen of a country.
0: Yeah, I mean, what is Bitcoin actually doing to help the lives right. of El Salvadorians, right? That'd be the question right. I would be asking yeah. as a citizen, obviously, yeah. and uh Kelly yep. just seems to be about Talking about Bitcoin. how great Bitcoin is and like popping the prize, mm-hmm. being part of that kind of the in-group of Bitcoin. Uh, yeah, well, he took his uh, laser eyes off a couple months ago. Did he? So maybe that's diminishing. A bear market yeah. does that, removes the laser eyes. <laughs> yeah. Um, FDX, they could launch their own stable coin, maybe via partnership, says Sam Bankman Freed. It doesn't surprise me, David. You saw B- no. BUSD in the market section, yeah. gaining on USDC. <laughs> Every major crypto bank has got to have a stable coin, don't they, to enter this world?
1: Yeah. 100%. And like FTX is so big that like it doesn't, they don't even have to try super hard to make their stablecoin competitive, right? They'll just brute force it. What does it, that mean? Which is fine.
0: We're, we're going to just have tons of uh, crypto bank backed stablecoins. Yeah, stable I think bank? every
1: single crypto bank will have its own stablecoin. All the major ones. I mean, which is, which follows the history of banks, right? Like that's kind of how banks started is that before there was like universal unit of accounts, like there were individual banknotes. Yeah. And that's what, yeah, USCC is the banknote of Coinbase. BUSD is the banknote of Binance. FTX needs well, a banknote. This note. is, by
0: the way, uh, you know, people say bankless hates regulation or DeFi people hate. No, this is a great spot for regulation. We should have some uh, regulation around centralized custodian stable coins like this to make sure that they are fully backed, to make sure that they are audited, to make sure that, you know, mm-hmm. kind of the rules do apply. Because where there is centralization, there needs to be some regulation. Sam Bankfried said this. He's kind of hinting at it. We certainly could. We know how to do it but i think you'll be hearing from something from us on that topic in the not
1: too distant future so uh, yeah it's definitely
0: coming definitely happening
1: what else might be coming is twitter working on a wallet prototype mm-hmm. that supports crypto deposit and withdrawal Definitely a far de- deviation away from, you know, 240 characters. But who do I know? What do I know?
0: Yeah, I think this would be amazing. I think uh, it'd be really cool to see Twitter. What you, would you do, though? Uh, I would deposit and withdraw. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but, okay, but, like, he, here's the big move for for Twitter, right? Elon is, um, I, I think it's completely official now. I saw a picture of him entering Twitter headquarters mm-hmm. with a kitchen sink. And um, I think uh, the kitchen sink, by the way, just means I think he was just saying, um, you know, I'll throw in the kitchen sink at this deal. The deal seems to be done. And Elon Mm -hmm. is uh, crypto, very crypto pilled. He's a little strangely doge pilled, I guess. Doge pilled. Yeah.
1: But like he's very crypto pilled might be a little generous. Yeah.
0: Maybe that is generous. What do you think Elon thinks about crypto? I don't know. We should get him on Elon. (laughs) (laughs) Don't don't play this clip in the ass. You get him on. He'll never come on with us looking like this. This is interesting, David. Uh, Elizabeth Warren and others are mad that crypto is hiring a whole bunch of former government employees. There's been, I believe, is that our fault. Two hundred government officials have left their public service posts to move into senior positions at crypto st- startups. The lawmakers say. So, wow. Senator. Sounds like some. Code Senator Warren, if you ask me. Uh, AOC, and others uh, penned a slew of letters on October 24th to a n- number of U.S. financial uh, watchdogs about this. Um, he, here's what's interesting. Okay. I think there's like, I think there's one take, which is like, oh, this is another industry buying regulators, right? We've seen this before. We're mm-hmm. going to see it again. Revolving door, bad thing, right? That's one take. And there might be some truth to that. I'm sure like their, the paychecks are better in crypto, right? And some people are, are leaving yeah, for the money. That's for sure. <laughs> the other side of it. And this is the side that goes often goes unacknowledged. I think by those in government who are very anti-crypto is like, maybe just maybe, The good people are leaving because they're sick of the incumbent protection racket that many regulatory agencies are running, and they wanna find a better way to serve the public because Mm. crypto is a public good as well. Do you know, it's like, Mm -hmm. I think there's this hubris among uh, some in government, not all in government, that the only public good that can be created must come from regulators and government itself, right? And that could not be further from the truth.
1: Yeah, that sounds like coercion. So
0: I don't know. I don't know what the take is here. It's like, um, but I think a lot of people are are like, look, if I was if I was working the SEC, and I saw the sort of thing um, Gary Gensler was doing, which is like, outside of mission, I would say it's not being financial, you know, transparency, it's not protecting the interests of of retail investors. Uh, I'd be frustrated by that, and I'd like want to go back to the mission. I feel like part of that mission is fulfilled with open finance, right? It's like transparent, on-chain, fully auditable, completely permissionless. Uh, this is a way to, to protect the people and uh, disrupt the banks, right? There's so many wins, I think, for a lot of these lawmakers mm-hmm. and regulators in crypto, um, if they could just see it. But uh, that, that is another take on what's going on. What do you think?
1: Um, my take here is now you care about the revolving door? What about the revolving <laughs> door for like the banking industry? Like the, That's the bigger deal. That where like that's the where the corruption happens. Crypto is literally the uncorruptible side. Anyways, I'm like that's my take. That's uh, David's like, take. Oh, now now yeah. Also, you're just jealous that we're having fun. Yeah, well,
0: um, I mean this this podcast has been fun so far, David. It's, really, it's been yeah. really fun. <laughs> you remember
1: uh, Kyle Roche, Ryan? Remember that guy? Uh, is that the sketchy crypto lawyer dude? That's the guy, yeah, the, the guy with the who denied the claims that he had a formal relationship with a- Avalanche Labs, Ava mm. Labs, to basically sue and kneecap all of their competition. Oh. Anyways, uh, he is starting a new law firm. Uh, and so uh, the claim here is that he's starting it because he kind of has to, because his like name has been so incredibly tainted that he had to start a new law firm because his old law firm was like, named Roche and Partners or whatever. Anyways, um starting a new law firm that's great i mean i could use a lawyer (laughs) but probably not (laughs) probably not kyle sounds like the right lawyer for (laughs) (laughs) bitcoin
0: excuse me you (laughs) yeah for me
1: (laughs) i'm uh you know
0: as a youtube influencer i'm pretty excited about lawsuits generally um all right uh on the releases side of things sound market is releasing i believe their first maybe secondary market for buying their first secondary market yeah okay what's Mm -hmm. this what are we looking at
1: Oh, that's what it is. Okay. Yeah, we're looking at the first, the first ever secondary market for music NFTs with a zero percent listing fee. So congrats to Sound. Have you God bought one yet? Have you bought? I have not bought a music you need to NFT do that. because I, I don't, I don't, I don't want to. I'm not like here to like speculate on music NFTs. As soon as my favorite bands start listing music NFTs, I will start buying. I think them. I
0: want to, but that's that's the point. I, th- that's I the think point. I want to do one just to test though. But if anyone has any good artist yeah. recommendations for like a first a test. Just like not, you know, maybe not an artist I'm super serious about, but just like to test. I'd like to uh, see what it's like, see what the experience is like. Sure.
1: I think you're supposed to find an artist that you like the music of. That's a lot of work. And... I'm, I'm gonna make a hot take, Ryan, yeah. that the uh, music that you like and the people musicians that are minting music NFTs, those Venn diagrams might not overlap a lot.
0: I can't, I can't. Should I be offended by that? It's a bankless nation. How well, should I, I be offended? I'm also speaking by this? from personal experience. Like my,
1: my <laughs> boomer taste in music, where like I listen to uh, you know the Grateful the Dead, and Bruce Springsteen, and the Sheepdogs. The Sheepdogs. which m- 99.9% of listeners aren't are not familiar with, uh, but they are like a perfect intersection of the Black Keys and the Grateful Dead, and they're from Canada. Canada and they wear Canadian, uh, they wear, uh, Canadian tuxedos a hundred percent of the time. They will not be minting music and anytime soon. David's got
0: some rocker, uh, rocker music taste. It's, uh, it's pretty good. Yeah, though. big time. Uh, Socket big Scan,
1: time. what are they up to? Socket Scan, this is Socket.tech, uh, formerly known as Mover, uh, have introduced SocketScan.io, the first multi-chain explorer. Uh, and so I think we've talked about Socket a few times, but if you have Asset A, on chain A and you want asset B on chain B, Socket Scan will obfuscate every single possible route to get that trade and and hop done and just make it super easy for you. Uh, And so they've released Socket Scan to see all the various ways that you can go across the multi-chain ecosystem. Pretty cool. Uh, Full disclosure, both David and I are angel investors on that one. You can see disclosures
0: in the show notes as always. Uh, David, it's jobs time. This is our opportunity to tell you on a weekly basis, we're not going to stop doing this. You need to get a job in crypto. So think about your job right now. Is it in crypto? If the answer to that question is no,
1: it it should be. Maybe that's something to change, yeah.
0: (laughs) And you got to go to Bankless. Uh, And
1: we we have a special job, actually, I would like to highlight, Ryan. So if you can go ahead and click that first job, Script Writer. Script Writer at Bankless. So this person, this uh, job is going to work very closely with yours truly. Uh, And if you think that you can write the easiest and most digestible explanations of what is Ethereum, what is DeFi, what are NFTs? What are smart contracts? Uh, anyone, Ryan, can explain these things using 90-minute podcasts. That's easy. <laughs> uh, it's harder. It's harder to do it in five to 15 minutes in just a thousand to two thousand words. So, you know, the the meme is like it's actually hard to write to communicate in less words, and this is what we are looking for. So. If you think that you can explain uh, what is DeFi in as short a way as possible, in a way that you would see me expressing this on our new YouTube channel, uh, write a script. I write a script for your preferred what is blank about crypto and send it over. Uh, And if it's a good script, if I like it, uh, we might hire you as a formal script writer to start banging these things out. These are going to be the videos that the world sees because Bankless can explain things better than anyone That's what we do. Uh, And the idea of these is what is Ethereum doesn't get the, the, you know, 10, 15, 20,000 views, but gets 200,000 plus views on YouTube and becomes the canonical videos for how to explain Ethereum, crypto, NFTs, DeFi, smart contracts to the world. So that's my challenge and call to action. If you guys want to work with me writing scripts, uh, write a script. Send it my way. And if I like it, we'll hire you. Help
0: us help onboard the world, guys. We also got some things from uh, Swell Network, a senior smart contract Mm -hmm. engineer. Another senior front end engineer. This dancing hits different swell. in a green it's screen. looks too. way better. Uh, senior back end engineer. <laughs> swell again. Uniswap Labs, director of product management for platform. Uniswap Labs, developer relations lead. Uniswap Labs as well. Senior front end engineer. OpenHedge needs an engineer. Optimism ahead of security. Optimism and in infrastructure engineer for DevOps. Rabbit hole. CoinShift. I could go on. All of the listings are there for you on bagless.pallet.com slash jobs. You can find all of those things, guys we got a lot more coming up. David, what's
1: happening next? Uh, what's coming up next? we got some questions from the nation, which I think are pretty good this week, and also some hot takes from crypto Twitter and beyond. So make sure to like and subscribe to these videos wherever you are listening to them, and we will get to all of these hot questions and cool takes from crypto Twitter as soon as we get back from some of these fantastic messages from these fantastic sponsors. All
0: right, guys, last part of the roll-up. David's getting real, real sweaty in that green uh, <laughs> spandex he's wearing. Um, these are the questions from the nation if you have a question for the nation make sure you send that in via twitter the ask goes out every wednesday you could reply get your question into the show this question from uh, claudia.eth claudia.eth you often mention that you participate as advisors at certain projects would love to know how this cooperation actually works in your case and with what aspects do you usually help these projects david you want to take that
1: yeah, sure. So we're advisors for three main projects, uh, Optimism, ZK Sync, and Mycelium. Uh, it's different for every single team. Um, and our, I mean, our, our main skill, I would say, is just narrative and storytelling, and, and getting the teams to get what they are building into, kind of what I was saying with these, the, the scriptwriter into as few words as possible that are punchy and like can stick inside of people's brains. I think we're really good at memes. Uh, and so what optimism is doing, when optimism explains what they're, what they're doing, they'll take like you know, a very technical route that takes a lot of time. And then Ryan and I kind of understand it at a much higher level that I think is more understandable by a broader set of people. Uh, and so we'll help them kind of craft... And just storytell what they're doing so it's more digestible and more receptive to a wider audience, uh, which helps on a number of fronts. So, you know, broad just understanding, but also it attracts more talents, attracts more developers. So I'd say that's one of the main skills that we do. Uh, But then also just general connections, advice, just like lessons from the history of of crypto that we've been to. Uh, Sometimes uh, company A wants to be connected to company B and we know both of these companies. So that's just super easy for us. Um, But it's it's also just case by case. So every single team that we advise has their own needs. Uh, And Ryan and I are generally skilled at a, a wide variety of skills. And so we just help them out. Anything you would add to that? Uh, I would not
0: add anything else to that, David. Uh, other than I'm also an advisor cool. for Polygon too, just for sake of completeness. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Here's a question: Could a group of ultra wealthy people, Bezos, Musk, etc., team up and buy a bunch of ETH, stake it, and take over the network? how safe is the Ethereum network from China? If China makes quantum mm. computing work, could they attack Bitcoin? So a lot of questions about like...
1: Yeah, three questions. What yeah. if uh, Safety, security. Yeah, yeah,
0: what if crypto really gets attacked by either super right. wealthy yes. people or yes. by nation state level actors? What is Ethereum's defense mechanism for these types of attacks?
1: Right. Uh, okay, so let's start with the first question. Could a group of ultra wealthy people, Bezos, Musk, et cetera, team up and buy a bunch of ETH, stake it, and take over the network? It's really that last part, take over the network, that is like uh, doing a lot of work here. What does that mean? Are they staking, buying their ETH, staking it, and they have like over 66% of all ETH staked? Well, if they just do that, that's fine uh, because they are not like doing anything malicious. Uh, what I think we're concerned about is if they like start doing malicious things, uh, maybe they if they have 66%, they can do crazy stuff. They can mint new ether, they can uh, censor certain people, certain contracts. They basically can dictate things. Well, that's where we go into a user-activated software. Uh and so this is this is kind of like the nuclear threat. But if you're telling me that ultra-wealthy people are going to buy 66% of all ether, not all Ether, but all staked Ether, uh, and then stake it to the network to influence it. This is when we would, the cool thing about proof of stake is you can actually identify these people uh, and their influence over Ethereum. And so you can say, hey, uh, this Ethereum address is doing things that are misaligned with the community. And we are going to, for the first thing we would do is we would probably just kick them out of the validator pool. Say, Hey, get out of here, stop staking. Uh, and if they come back into the validator pool and start staking again, then we would probably do a user activated fork where we actually, uh, social slash their ether. And this is the, the nuclear threat. The, the idea is to never do this, but if somebody or a group of people have such a high amount of uh, ether, this is kind of our only choice as a community. And this is why it does not matter who owns what percentage of ether at the end of the day, there's always the nuclear option of the user activated uh, soft fork, the social slashing event to take over any power, which is why Ethereum always is so ultimately settled by layer zero, by the people. Uh, and so if if chads if like super wealthy people are doing things that the community doesn't like the community always has the final say and that is because of user activated software and i would say that also answers the second question how safe is ethereum network from china uh and if china makes quantum computing work could they attack bitcoin generally like the whole threat is that Quantum computing is coming. It's going to threaten Bitcoin. It's going to threaten externally owned addresses on Ethereum. Quantum computing is generally a threat to the current state of crypto. Uh, And this is why we in in the Ethereum world, we are going to be pivoting away from uh, these EDSCA uh, signature schemes that are externally owned accounts. We're going to have to create smart contract wallets that don't do these things. We already have the solution for this in Ethereum land. Bitcoin, I don't think, has a solution towards the quantum computing threat. Uh, And that's been one of the big concerns behind Bitcoin. Uh, And so if China does make a computing network work, could they attack Bitcoin? What they would do is they would be able to break the signature schemes of like super old wallets right like wallets that mined bitcoin in 29 2009 2010 2011 they could they could break a wallet basically they could brute force their way into finding the private keys for wallets uh, this is also the same threat for for ethereum but we have a solution for this in ethereum bitcoin doesn't would need to do a hard fork to prevent this from happening uh, and i don't know how i see that happening Um, uh, watch the moon math episode with Justin Drake, our first ever episode just with Justin Drake to learn more about this.
0: I think one other practical, um, is like, if you're trying to, if you have to buy 66% of staked ETH, it's going to cost a lot of money. Uh, and it's, and it's going to make the Ether price go gonna up. It's going to make the Ether price go up. I mean, if you're buying that much ETH, I mean, expect to be yeah. buying at the end of that, I don't know, ETH at like $30,000 or more. Yeah. Because it's going to sh- yeah. shoot up that high. There's not that much supply in the market to make this kind of a purchase. So you'd have to covertly right. do it. That's
1: the cool thing is like t- uh, if you want to attack Ethereum, you, what you have to do is you have to make all current ETH holders extremely wealthy. Yeah. That's like one of the big defenses. I think there are way better. Honestly,
0: head. if we got into nation state attacks episode, there, there are way better nation state attacks, in my opinion, like to be much more subversive. That's how they'd actually yeah. attack, uh, attack it. Like something like Stuxnet, you yeah. know, behind the scenes, get something in the code somehow, start contributing to the project. Right. It'd be like that. Not not this kind of economic also attack. Also jailing a lot of people. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, wait, what is this question? Will Ryan grow a voluminous stash from November? I personally believe this might end the bear market. At least we should try. I think he's onto something. (sighs) Unfortunately, David, uh, the mustache is not in the future. It's never been. uh, Nothing voluminous. It would just be something that is just like, you know, kind of prepubescent, I think, almost (laughs) in terms of its (laughs) its thickness. Have you ever tried? I have. It's just not something that anyone really wants to see, to be honest. I just don't have the... I, I disagree.
1: I think it's important to see it. <laughs> well, this is a taste of it. What are you looking at today? You want more of this? <laughs> that is like a Gandalf beard, bro. <laughs> yeah, it could be shaved. It could be taken in. David, should we get to some of the takes? Some takes. Some takes. You want to read this take from Jay? Yep.
0: Take from Jay. Contrary to widespread belief, traditional finance is not safe. consumers or investors. Sure, it's dressed up to look that way, but its neat and tidy image is a thin veil for institutionalized discrimination, exclusion, and exploitation. Crypto offers a different approach. Traditional finance is just institutionalized discrimination, exclusion, and exploitation. Because it's been institutionalized, we think it's normal. That is the take from Jake. And uh, crypto is definitely a different approach to this much more credibly neutral system without that exclusion, exploitation, and discrimination, if we get it right. What are your thoughts on this?
1: Yeah, I think one of the reasons why crypto gets so much flack is that all of our, like, mistakes and errors and hacks are out in the open. Yeah. Like, we don't have the luxury of being a centralized company with, like, walls around it to hide all of our the, mistakes. The backroom
0: deals are harder to, like, there's really right. no backroom on-chain. Exactly,
1: yeah, which is which is good.
0: Which is good uh, what's this take this is a this is a yeah. um, poll that you put up and this is yeah. Dave tweeting out who pays for security in Bitcoin and he has three options here miners number one transactors number two and holders number three and the percentages from this poll came in very interestingly um, yeah
1: so I, I, before we read out the percentages yeah. and also the right answer I want I want listeners to take a moment and reflect on who they think there's a correct answer here who pays for security in Bitcoin where does bitcoin get its security from? Miners, transactors, or holders? Do you mean are you asking 100% of the security or are you asking for the like the vast
0: majority of the security? Those are different.
1: Vast, yeah, yeah, the vast majority. The vast yeah, majority. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there's one answer that really sticks above the rest. <laughs> There's an answer David really wants. Yeah. Let's <laughs> justify it. Miners, transactors, or holders. Okay. Where does
0: Bitcoin get its security from? Okay, so my, my gut would be, my, my default answer to this would be holders, of course. But I'd also probably yeah. put an asterisk there around some of these other things. Maybe, maybe miners would have an asterisk for me, and I could explain why. But what is the correct answer?
1: The correct answer is where does Bitcoin source its energy is from holders. From holders, source its energy. Do you mean not an opinion? This is 100% fact. Source its
0: energy. Do you mean like its economic Mm. energy? You're you're talking about it's like its actual um, its actual security defense is not energy. I mean, we say that as a shortcut, but its actual security defense is is also capital. It's just like pure money, right? To overcome, it's economic security. That's what you mean when you say power.
1: These are crypto economic systems. They are secured through economics. So people that answered miners. Okay, so the the, the numbers for who answered this poll also stuck out to me. So who pays for security in Bitcoin? 21% of people said miners. 25% said transactors. And 33% said holders. And so while the majority, the biggest one, was the correct answer holders, it's not. These numbers are way too close. So who pays for security in Bitcoin? Miners do not pay for security. They are the people that you pay for security. They are the people being paid for security. They are profiting off of the people that pay for security. That's why they exist. Why why would miners pay for security? It's their business model to supply security that Bitcoin purchases from the miners. So that that we can cross that off. And 21% of people said miners, which means 21% got the opposite of the answer, the inverse answer. The other, the other, both transactors and holders are technically correct, because the transaction fee, when you pay a transaction fee for Bitcoin, that goes to the miners, and so that is a transfer from transactors to miners. Uh, and 25% of people said transactors, but we'll pull off some stats here in a second, but the real answer, Ryan, is holders coming in at 33%, which was the biggest answer, but it's the between the two, miners and transactors, the the more people got this answer wrong than correct and so what we are looking at here on coin metrics are the two sources of money that is being paid towards miners for miners to protect bitcoin and we are looking at 29 or 19.5 million dollars in daily issuance that got paid to bitcoin miners that is minted versus $275,000 of total transaction fees from transactors paid to miners. So that is $19.5 million of new issuance versus $275,000 of fees from is transactors. Is that like 95% or something? Uh, that is 98.7% 98. 98. Okay. of, <laughs> of Bitcoin security came from issuance, yeah. which is inflation, which means that holders... Are the people who are being diluted, who are being inflated, are the people that are bearing the costs of Bitcoin security? And so this is why the answer is unequivocally—well, excuse me, not unequivocally—the the the answer is 98.7% correct that Bitcoin (laughs) holders are the people that pay that subsidize for Bitcoin security. Holders pay for security, and the ratio of transaction fees to issuance is. 1.3%. 1.3%. David, so Bitcoin is 1.3% paid uh, securities paid for by transactors. Okay, so
0: so a couple things. So w- one thing to to think about is the analogy of kind of the nation state, right? It's like who pays mm-hmm. for the security of America, and the answers are like military or taxpayers, mm-hmm. right? Income taxpayers, excise mm-hmm. taxpayers. That's kind of the breakdown. And of course, the answer is right. not the military, because the they military receive does not the pay funds. for security. The, the answer always yes. is who pays for security for America. It's the taxpayers, the taxpayers are always paying. It's taxpayers and bondholders. and bondholders. Anybody who's holding the money is essentially paying an inflation tax. But let me ask you, Dave. Yes. Like, so why are you so passionate about this technicality here? Like, why does it matter so much? Right. Are you is it just because like there's such a delta in terms of like uh, people don't know what the right answer is and you're sort of disturbed by that, or you think that uh, a yes. lot more education exactly. needs to be done?
1: This is, this is a lack of education as to how these systems the work. The
0: economics of
1: them. The economics of it, right. And, and so like uh, last weekend, I put out some tweets that uh, the Bitcoiners really didn't like. I said like the Bitcoin, BTC, the asset, does not have a relationship with energy. Bitcoin does, but BTC, the asset, does not. And like just some tweets that really go against Bitcoiner narratives and like I, I was received you know, tons of like hate from Bitcoin, the Bitcoin Maxis, which is normal for me. But like even like other people are like, uh, why can't, you know, Bitcoin and Ethereum just get along? And like the reason why I feel compelled to do, like, do this is because the Bitcoin maximalist narratives are wrong about Bitcoin. They are telling a story of about Bitcoin that is not what Bitcoin is. And like Bitcoin is great. It is fantastic. It is truly a marvel to this universe. The narrative that Bitcoin maximalists say about Bitcoin is completely divergent from that. And so when people say like, oh, Bitcoin, Ethereum, why can't we just get along? I would love to get along with people that tell the true story about what Bitcoin is, but the Bitcoin maximalist narratives are not that, are not what's being told. And that is what grinds my gears, Ryan, and why I feel compelled to, again, this is about education about who pays for security in Bitcoin. It is holders. It is issuance. It is inflation. And that is a truth that we have to swallow as Bitcoiners.
0: Maxless, you just got clapped back by a dick butt. And I don't know how that feels. but uh, That's what just <laughs> happened, in case you were wondering. Uh, here's a good take. included to this last Moving minute. On. Really <laughs> important one, I think. Really interesting one from Giancarlo. Mm-hmm. Elon is pushing Twitter towards crypto. Zuck is pushing Meta towards crypto. Reddit is going all in on crypto. You're seeing these things. Collectively, that's billions of users. It's just hard to overstate how much of the internet is about to change in the next few years. That, my friends, is a bullish tweet. And I think the bull case for for, uh, crypto. Web2 is coming on board. Maybe not Apple. But all of these social media platforms know that they have to support a digital property rights system inside of their platforms. And that digital property rights system is crypto. It's effectively, it's Ethereum, it's Bitcoin, these types of blockchain networks. Super bullish, man. Anything to add to that? Um, I'm I'm, I'm on board. You know what? I'm on board too. And I got to ask you what you Mm -hmm. are excited about. What are you bullish on this week, David?
1: Ryan, I think I think you can guess what's coming. I already gave a little bit of a pitch for crypto dick butts, but what I'm bullish on, (laughs) Ryan, are crypto dick butts. Uh, And one of the reasons why is because crypto dick butts first were a meme before, and so this is like the NFT of the meme. The meme has already been around, and so the NFT version of the meme is also going to be around. Uh, So that's my first bullish crypto dick butt thing. It's like it's already like dick butts have been a meme not just on the internet, like. Dick butts were drawn as cave paintings back in like thousands and thousands of years ago, and so the NFT really? version of like what is a very it's in crypto dick butts man are in our DNA. I swear to God, yeah, yeah, this is this is right. <laughs> uh, and so of course the NFT crypto dick butts. Is also going to be around for a very long time. The other cool thing about crypto dickbots is the lore behind them. Every good community, every good cult needs a lore, uh, and the lore about like how dick, uh, crypto dickbutts are just like searching for their long lost home uh, around the planet, and they need to find uh, their home, which is uh, the island of Gooch Island. And so I am bullish, Ryan, on crypto dickbutts because I am one. Wow, that was a that was a heck of a shout out for uh, this community. How many how many do you own, David? I own two crypto bucks. Okay, so here's here's your challenge. They are in my disclaimers and disclosures Get
0: pitch. get get me to buy one. What's it going to take to get me bullish on these things because is, uh, right now I am not bullish at all on these things. Do you want one with or without glasses?
1: They're, they have with glasses? With glasses. They have they have nerd are glasses. you serious. Yeah. Wait. Are you in character or out No, of character I'm I'm my I'm way? I'm, it's, wait, I'm I'm me. I'm just me,
0: David. I'm. I'm really excited <laughs> about glasses right now. It's just something. Something <laughs> about last week just switched me on to the glasses thing. Uh, yeah, yeah I'll, I'll find you it's some, still, a good. It's still probably not going to be enough, though. Not not going to be enough. Okay. It's just like it's we'll, strange, we'll man. I don't know. Like they all come around. It's strange. Okay. Well, David. David's into this. That's exciting. Mm-hmm. I'm excited that you're excited.
1: I'm not quite there yet. I am excited. Ryan, what are you excited about? That uh, you Which know what I'm excited predictors. about
0: is um, Bankless Brazil. All right, so David, mm. you and I were on a podcast with uh, Bankless Brazil earlier this week, and um, this is a community that started from the original Bankless podcast and the newsletter in Brazil. And there's a Portuguese mm-hmm. version of Bankless and podcast forum and newsletter forum. You can see all the details. They have Discord, everything else. Uh, they have um, they have merch, and we were talking to the Bankless Brazil folks, uh, and it just struck me how global the crypto movement is. And, and how mm-hmm. global the, the bankless movement is, right? So um, they've been experiencing like 20 to 30% uh, monthly growth, not annualized growth, monthly gro- growth in their community. Yeah. And it's because what they were saying is Brazil, the people of Brazil are hungry for crypto right now. I mean, we think inflation yeah. is bad in the US. It's like, what, 8% or something? Do you know the mm-hmm. uh, Brazilian uh, currency, the real, has lost 90% of its value relative to the dollar? Not relative to CPI, that's relative to the dollar. So you got Mm -hmm. to stack the dollar on top of 90%. Right. uh, Inflation on inflation. Inflation on inflation. It's stacking. And so this community is built kind of uh, from the ground up, public goods funded. They're doing like local community uh, meetups. They're talking Mm -hmm. about how like the crypto economy has allowed them essentially to um, shelter. Uh, some of their wealth and some of their economic opportunities, mm-hmm. the ability to log in from the internet from anywhere in Brazil and work for a, a crypto company, a Web3 company, get paid right. in stable coins, get paid in you know uh, assets like ETH. Um, this is so transformational, I think. And it's not just happening in Brazil. Did you know um, 8 million people in Turkey are using crypto right now? And so all of this you know, struck me as sometimes we're in the US, we get stuck in kind of the the US bubble regulatory, it's right. our battle against the banks, right. it's a battle, battle uh, against Wall Street, and that sort of thing. You know where I think some of this could come from? The, the revolution of crypto mm. is emerging countries and emerging markets where they just straight like leapfrog over Wall Street. It's like, we don't need Wall Street, we don't need US, European banks, right? We have Ethereum, we have a bankless money system and we could build our financial mm. infrastructure on that. So I'm really excited to see where crypto goes and develops in emerging markets. Um, I think sometimes in the U.S. when we hear about crypto and going bankless, we just like we get complacent about it. It's like oh, huh, my bank's good enough. Right. Like it kind of works. It works right. OK. Right. Um, this is not the case in places in, in, in South America and in, in, in places like Turkey where inflation is ravaging you. And then after inflation, it's capital controls. You can't get your money in the banking system. None of this is is a uh, very digital uh, and so the need in emerging countries is, uh, is very strong. And I'm just bullish about the worldwide bankless community. That podcast made me so.
1: Yeah, the, uh, the, the lesson I think I really took away from that, that podcast with them is that um, the sense of urgency uh, out of Brazil. Uh, and I, I think that's probably also echoed. There was that uh, report out of Africa not too long ago from the Chain analysis Africa report saying like crypto just has unprecedented levels of adoption in Africa from payments and just like access to dollars. Um, I, I think like like we definitely have like this us. privilege where eight percent inflation's bad and that's causing a lot of just like you know bad times, like hard times for a lot of uh, Americans, but I, I, it's uh, it's un, it's just different. Versus the sense of urgency that's coming out of places like Brazil, where it, bad is an understatement. Uh, and the, the amount of urgency of getting off of the dollar system and getting onto something that can actually not uh, destroy capital along the way for people's lives uh, is, is much more than we experience here in the United States. And so the, the idea that crypto adoption, like base principles, crypto adoption of going back to our roots of store of value and payments mm. is still like still huge. For most of the world and we forget about that here in America while we talk about things like crypto <laughs> and Ryan, Ryan comes in and saying well what about Bankless Brazil and I'm like well
0: <laughs> well you know we'll let Bankless listeners uh you know
1: dick, dick bots have their place
0: too you know fun, fun games as well but yeah this is all part of a a very important mission and it gave me that, that worldwide mm-hmm. scope I mean the Bankless Brazil folks were just like hey for people in America crypto is seen as an investment but like for here it's like a way out. It's like a necessary right. it's not an investment. Yes. We need this. Right. It's a tool. It's a life. In order to in yeah. order to live and survive in our economy. And that that just struck me. Uh so man, you're making
1: Bitboy look real.
0: <laughs> it's just a generic crypto influencer, David. There's no there's no I don't know who BitBoy <laughs> is. Um all right, shall we get to uh, what's a, what's a the meme boy? of the week? Uh, you know, I, I stumbled across this. This is floating around. I, I
1: do we need a meme of the week this week?
0: I'm a dick butt. <laughs> You're a crypto influencer. Well, let's do this then. It's an AI tweet generator. So uh, yeah. this is an AI. It's a tweethunter.io that will generate tweets from, from any uh, popular Twitter account that you want. So uh, do you want an AI to generate a pop tweet? Let's see what it looks like. No, oh, I ran out of trials. No, I don't. Uh, we can't. But I got
1: the AI earlier to generate a Vitalik tweet. Um, do you want to read this? Vitalik.eth kind of says, to anyone who's working on an Ethereum 2.0 project, one, your goal should be create a protocol that is as safe as possible and maximally open. Two, your hard fork strategy should be no hard forks. Uh, that's a good
0: take. <laughs> Wait, your hard fork strategy should
1: be no hard forks? That's not something Vitalik
0: would say, David.
1: Well, okay. So this is an AI that looked this. <laughs> so this isn't actually Vitalik. But I'll go ahead and try and interpret this. The 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 goal should be to answer and align with your community in a way that doesn't incentivize that hard That works. Work. So and by the way, incentivize. Do you know he does the asterisk thing where he like puts the, yeah. like the bold? It's kind yeah, of like the emphasis. Yeah. The yeah. Emphasis. I also do that too because the of AI caught yeah. that.
0: Mm-hmm. I agree yeah. with goal number uh-huh. one. That that makes sense. Yeah. I could see him saying this, but and. Working on an Ethereum 2.0 project, he doesn't say Ethereum 2.0. Yeah, right, that doesn't say that. And then he the second that. one is your that. hard fork strategy should be no hard forks. No, you would never say that.
1: Yeah, I, I don't even know if that makes sense. Anyways, I think we got one this more. Is, uh, this is one that it generated from this me. This one made me laugh so fucking <laughs> hard. So this is the Ryan Sean Adams AI. Otherwise, Ryan. <laughs> uh, the tweet reads, ETH is 50% down, not because ETH is a bad asset. Not because ETH is a bad store of value. Not because ETH is a bad store of <laughs> value. Not because ETH is a bad store of value. Not because ETH is a bad store of value. Not because ETH is a bad store of value. Not. <laughs> <laughs>
0: okay this is uh this is weird because i that can is- see myself writing this should i just
1: like you just know the ai was going to go on saying not because eth is a bad sort of value as long as the twitter tweet would allow <laughs> should it
0: should i just like feed this into you like my uh my twitter like just read these the are, are your AI? tweets these bro. are not my tweets all right <laughs> these are actually your tweets i would not eth is more than 50 percent <laughs> down okay i could i could see that i would uh, myself saying some of these lines you would absolutely structure we'll, we'll it see how like it goes maybe i'll start using these
1: Outsource. (laughs) All right, that's it, man. I think we have a moment of Zen this week. Should you tee that up? So you're going to hear a moment of Zen right after you also hear Ryan give his regular Risks and Disclaimers. Of course, Risks and Disclaimers,
0: crypto, all of it is risky. You could lose what you put in, but we are headed west. This is the frontier. It's not for everyone, but we're glad you're with us on the Bankless journey. Thanks a lot. It's for the people. Trying to tell you this is about money for me. It's me. I'm here fighting for all the money. I don't know who the F you are. Ryan, Sean, Adam. I don't know who the F you are. This is about money for me. It's me. I'm here fighting for all the money. Devils, douchebag, these freaking glasses on. This is about money for me.